the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words in my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. We had 12 kids in confirmation this year. Nine boys who are all sitting up front here today in their nice robes, ready to affirm the faith um, in which they were baptized, and then three girls who will have one more year of classes. But 12 kids in confirmation, which is not an extraordinary number, I will say, but I didn't realize until this week that, you know, Jesus had 12 disciples, I had 12 kids in confirmation in this great correlation. (laughs) (laughs) And I started to wonder if when Jesus was with the disciples, if it was anything like my confirmation class. I mean, I have to hope that Jesus had a little bit more control. And then I thought, you know, Jesus, like, chose them one by one. And, you know, if I were Jesus, I probably would have stopped at the number six. Because six is a much more manageable crowd for one person. I wouldn't get rid of any of you, by the way. Um, <laughs> instead, we had 12, so I had to get a partner, um, Tom Sheldon, who helped me. So essentially, I had six because we divided into two groups. And that made it somewhat more manageable. Um, but... As I was thinking about leading confirmation, I mean, I had these kids, these wonderful young people, young men, for one hour a week on Wednesday nights when we weren't closed because it was so snowy or cold outside, and Jesus was with the 12 24-7 for three years. Oh my gosh, no wonder he's a miracle worker. I also thought maybe one of the things I could do to be a better teacher to all of you were to follow some of Jesus' um, enthusiasm. Just so you know, they are a great class. They ask great questions. Um, But at the end of a long day, you all have a lot of energy. Am I right? Maybe. A lot to say. And so what I noticed that Jesus does in his teaching is that when he calls the disciples, then he like hikes them from one town to another. And before he gives his really long sermons or his really long teaching, he actually takes them up a whole mountain. He exhausts them and then says, hey, sit down and now listen. So next year, it will be hiking in confirmation um, <laughs> and a lot more prayer. <laughs> Anyhow, in our gospel today, we hear the call of one of Jesus' disciples, Matthew. And when I was thinking about the 12, I realized, you know, what an interesting team this was, this interesting mix of people. We had some fishermen who are a part of it, and then we have a tax collector. 
If you don't remember who all the disciples are, that's okay. Neither do I. I have to look it up. Um, I got most of them. We have two brothers, though, who often bicker amongst themselves. Oh, my goodness. This sounds like our class. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, And those brothers will often argue about who's the greatest and who's the least and who gets to sit by Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And so as I think about us and people who attempt to follow Jesus, and I worry if we're doing it well, I think we can all feel okay about it. Because if we ever feel uncertain, let's just read the Gospels and remember who those original disciples were and know that we are all in good company. It actually has been a real privilege to teach these young people. And I wasn't kidding when I say they ask great questions. They also do ask silly questions at times, and that's okay too, because I think part of confirmation is having fun together. So as I was saying, in our gospel today, we hear the call of Matthew. And when Jesus calls people, he often does it in the same way. He will see somebody, usually in the midst of their work, call out to them with just like two words, follow me, and then they come. And what I notice is what we never see in these call stories. We never see Jesus watching the person until they do some sort of really great act of compassion or act of faith. Never do we see that. Jesus never seems to interview them for the position, saying, you know, what are your qualifications? Are you going to do a good job when you encounter these people in these towns who are in need of healing? And he never seems to call their references, so like one has to wonder a little bit about that. In fact, Jesus kind of goes out of his way to make sure that he gets a large mix of people with diverse personalities, and he brings them together to become part of his special forces. And he says, you all are the ones who are going to go and spread my love. The call of the disciples is not unlike what happens to us in our baptism. In our baptism, we are never interviewed, although maybe your parents will be by like the pastor, but for the most part, there's not an interview process There's no references called, no act of faith that has to happen. Instead, most of us, I think all of you were baptized as babies, am I correct? Yes, yes. And so you can't even talk or walk to the font. You have to literally be held over it by somebody else, by a parent, a godparent, a pastor perhaps. And so you can't actually do anything except receive the blessings from God and to receive that gift of grace. And that has been upon you all since the day of your baptism. That call of God happened a long time ago. And I have been so blessed to watch you live it out through your youth and your participation of things here in church, but also the things you do in your own community, in your own neighborhood, to spread God's love. And I'm so thankful for that. But today is an opportunity where you get to do what Matthew did. Instead of being held over the waters of baptism by somebody else, you actually get to get up and say, okay, I'll follow you. I will take that next step in following you, Jesus, into whatever you are calling me forth into. Well, the good news that I have to share with you is that you don't do it alone. I mean, here you are together. Look at each other. Smile, right? You have each other. You already know each other pretty well. But... Now, stand up a second, turn around, maybe wave to some of your family and friends, 
See, look at all these people who are gathered here. They are the people who have been loving you and praying for you and supporting you all, this, all these years. You can turn around. Um, and that's going to continue. You can sit down, too. That will continue into the future. Um, the church is something that we're, that we're called to be a part of. And as I was telling the kids, we're called to encourage one another. And you actually know this well. I have to reference my notes now because I have some quotes of all of you. Um, one of the great things our Confirmation Kids did this year was they, they shared their faith statements here in worship on Wednesday nights. And they did a fantastic job. And they have just a great understanding, I think, of what the church is and of what it means to follow Jesus. So I've got some of your own words. So Cameron, you describe the church as a loving family that mentors you. And Lewis, you said that the church community is accepting a place where you can be yourself. Rowan, you describe the church community as a place that's not only there on the good times, but is there for you on the very toughest or most difficult of times. And Hayden, you said the church is a place where you can be yourself, learn about God, and have fun. And Jack... You said the church is a family where love is abundant. It is a place where we can be truest to God. And the church is a hope for a better world. I mean, pretty good, right? Those are all wonderful understandings of what it means for us to be this community of faith, to encourage each other, to be the hope that goes out into the world, and to be the people who support one another in that venture. And I am so thankful for what you've already done, and I know you are all unique and will do that in different ways. Well, God is calling you today, just as God called Matthew. The fact of the matter is, God's just not calling them, but all of us, all of you as well. In fact, we're called every day to go and follow, to recommit ourselves to following Jesus and to whatever that might look like in our lives. One of the interesting pieces of our gospel for today is that the call that Matthew experiences is kind of unique. Jesus calls him, he leaves his tax booth, which is, you know, a somewhat questionable um, profession, and people didn't really like tax collectors, but the very first thing that Jesus does is he leads Matthew back to Matthew's house, and then has dinner with Matthew and his friends. And I love this idea that Jesus, when he calls us, actually just enters into our lives, Marcus, in your faith statement, you talked about how you know Jesus loves you and you experience it not only in the church, but in your everyday life. And that is what we see happening here, right? Jesus gets to know Matthew's friends. He eats with them. He cares about them. He wants to be a part of his life. And that's the same for all of you. Jesus leads you in your school and on your sports teams and in your neighborhoods to go and indeed care for each other and to get to know each other. The second thing I think that's important to think about when you are called is, not, is what that means. So what does it mean to be called by God? How do we live that out? Well, in Romans, Paul says that we are called to go and spread the gospel. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Which, you know, I think from time to time we get it mixed up, what the gospel really is. We think, okay, well, does that mean I go into the world and I have to make sure everyone knows that Jesus died for them? Or is it something else? And once again, you all know this really well. I think you live the gospel quite um, well in your own life. Nathan, in your faith statement, you said that one of the things you like about God is that God makes mistakes. 
And God learns from God's mistakes. And you use the example of Noah and the flood. And one of the things I love about that you shared this part of who God is is because we all make mistakes. And so it helps to know that God understands what that feels like, to maybe get it wrong sometimes, and then to know that we can be changed, that we can learn from what we've done and be reformed. And so we have a God of forgiveness, right? We have a God who forgives us for when we make those mistakes. Dylan, you describe God as someone who loves you no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do, how much money you have, God loves you, period. And so the second part of the gospel, we're forgiven and God loves us. That's the second piece. We belong to God. We are loved by God no matter what. And then Julian, you stated this. One of the most important parts you said of going to church is not just thinking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all important. There are other things that are important that happen here too. And that we have the opportunity to think about the people we encounter on a daily basis. That the church and our faith teaches us to care for others and our neighbors. People who are strangers who we don't even know. So what's the gospel? The gospel is an opportunity to be forgiven. It's an opportunity to know we are loved and share that love, not only within this community, but out in the world. Paul warns us not to be ashamed of the gospel. And I questioned that a little bit. I think with your understanding of the gospel, that's not going to happen. When I was your age, I will admit that there were times where I was ashamed of the gospel. But that was because I didn't really understand what the gospel was. See, I thought, and I heard other people tell me, you know, in order to be a Christian, you had to live a certain way, you had to believe a certain thing, and that, in a sense, the gospel seemed to be this exclusive organization that some people belonged to and other people didn't. But I was actually wrong about that. The Pharisees in our gospel text for today struggle with that as well. They look at Jesus eating with Matthew and all his friends and says, why are you eating with these outcasts and sinners? Why are you eating with these people? They don't belong here. But Jesus says, yeah, they do. I'm going to eat with them. They belong in my family too. One of the ways I saw the gospel lived out this year and one of the, most, um, one of the best ways was through all of you. On our confirmation retreat this past fall, um, our whole class couldn't go. We had about 10 of them who went up to Luthercrest. And when we would eat our meals, we were put at these tables for eight. And we had 10 confirmation kids and then a couple of us leaders. Um, But from the very first snack, you all said, nope, we're not going to separate into two groups. And you brought over chairs and extra silverware and extra plates And said, we're all going to eat together. And you made that table wider. That is the gospel. Lived out. It is a table that is wide enough to welcome all people. It is a place where we are forgiven and we are loved. And it is a place where we can always welcome another neighbor, a stranger, and a friend. Who is called to sit with us and to follow in those footsteps of Jesus. Reaching out in love, forgiveness, and hope for our world. So I am so proud of all of you, thankful to have been part of one of your teachers, but really thankful for what you have taught me about what it means to follow Jesus. And I believe we have nothing to be ashamed of as we live that call to go and spread God's love into the world. Amen.